You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 115. Thanks for tuning into this episode today. I am joined by Ashley Norris, and we are talking all about Dutch testing, literally everything you need to know about Dutch testing. And if you've never heard about it, or even if you've kind of heard about it, but don't really know what it is, this is an episode that you need to listen to. Ashley Norris is a certified holistic nutritionist, Reiki healer, and owner of the Soulful Sprout Holistic Nutritional Clinic. She has a focus on hormonal health and optimization, and she offers a unique, warm approach to hormone healing. She works with women from all over the world through her Soulful Reset and other healing programs while utilizing functional testing and a root cause approach to healing. Now, her personal journey, which she shares a little bit about in this episode, back from thyroid cancer, Hashimoto's in her 20s, are a testament to the powerful work that she does today and her passion for deep healing. When she's not in her clinic in Toronto, Canada, she is spending time in nature, growing backyard herbs and vegetables, hiking with her two dogs and traveling. So Ashley joins us today and I really kind of walk through with her exactly what Dutch testing is, who Dutch testing is for, how that supports those who are going through menopause, perimenopause, during menopause, postmenopause. Is it beneficial for those with fertility challenges or looking to conceive? We talk about the difference between blood testing for your hormones versus Dutch testing and how they are actually extremely different, but how they can be used to support each other. We also dive into what the four most common symptoms and types of PMS are because there's different grades of PMS and then that links into different hormones and she explains all of that in this episode. And then lastly, we wrap it up with how to do a Dutch test. Like literally she walks us through how it works and how you can successfully do a Dutch test along with when to do a Dutch test in your cycle. So this is a really great episode. I know after this episode and chatting with Ash just now, I was like, oh my God, I need to go and do Dutch testing. I need to learn more about this for myself. Maybe I want to be a Dutch testing educator and reader and provider. So anyway, it's got me very excited and I hope it gets you excited too. This episode is brought to you by the Well Women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. Ashley, welcome to the Well Women podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I... I'm looking forward to diving deep into all things Dutch testing because I know that's a topic that a lot of people are confused about and have kind of seen maybe on Instagram or online but don't really know what it is. So thanks for joining us. Now to kickstart it off, um, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you checking in? So I'm on day 19 and my cycle is around 25 to 26 days. So I'm kind of in that yin energy um, preparing for my menstrual cycle, my menstrual for menstruation. Mm-hmm. And I'm checking and excited to share more about Dutch testing and um, get this information out there. I'm excited too. Before we talk about that, though, um, let's talk about the shorter cycle that you have. I'd love to know about that because a lot of, and I know you know a lot about menstrual cycles too, a lot of women think that has to be the whole 27, 28, 29 days. Has your cycle always been that kind of length? 
A uh, great question. So my cycle actually shortened significantly um, about five years ago. I had a total thyroidectomy. And for those of you who don't know what that is, um, that's removing your thyroid gland. And so when I did that, uh, I feel like my master regulator of everything pertaining to my hormones was uh, removed. And my cycle went from, you know, 28 to 29 days down to 25, at times even 24. Right now it's a 25, 26 day cycle. Um, mainly what, um, I guess attributed to that is lower levels of estrogen. So not really low levels in terms of clinically low levels, but, um, sh um, shortened cycles can often be attributed to lower levels of estrogen. Mm, okay. I feel like it's always good to, to share that because a lot of women have, or menstruators have like a set paradigm that it has to be this particular moon 28 cycle length when it's different and unique for every woman. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one important piece of information to share on that point is that it's less important how often your cycle, um, it's less important the days, like in terms of like 26 or 28 days and more important that it's consistent. You want a consistent, reliable cycle versus on a cycle that's always, you know, 28 days. Now, mm. if your cycle is shorter than 24 days or longer than 32, you're going to want to lean into what's causing some of those imbalances for you. Definitely. It's, it just goes to show that you just need to be listening to your body. And I love that consistency is more important than perfection. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that's a really good highlight. Thank you so much. Now, people probably listen to this going, oh my God. Who is this Ashley chick? I really like what she's saying already. So tell us, who are you? What is it that you do? And um, how did you come to be this beautiful, you could say this soulful sprout that you're known as online? Mm. Um, so my hormone, oh, my own, own hormonal healing story really brought me to the career that I do and the work that I get to do with women every day. And truthfully, it wasn't a great and positive story. Um, I feel like I've been able to turn it around a lot, but I grew up um, a vegan, vegetarian, and mostly on a vegetarian diet. And I developed Hashimoto's or underactive thyroid at the age of 19. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Hashimoto's is also an autoimmune disease. So not only had my thyroid become underactive very young, but also was dealing with autoimmunity. And I didn't really have the education or, um, I guess, inf information at that time. Instagram was certainly not what it was then. Um, you know, 15 years ago, I don't, we weren't even on Instagram and I did not understand how to support my body. And so over uh, the course of my twenties, things got considerably worse. Um, by the time I was 27, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer which was really my wake up call. And I would say that kind of catapulted me into the world of holistic healing, um, getting deeply connected to my body, going back, understanding the biochemistry of our body and how things are really working. Um, first out of curiosity for my own healing journey, but then I realized that there was this massive disconnect in education. And I know something that you spent a lot of time bridging for women is um, how do we take this information about our body and really learn to nurture it and support it? So, um, you know, now I was able to balance my own hormones and really recover from uh, an autoimmune disease. I have my Hashimoto's in full remission and I spend the rest of my time running a clinic, a hormone centered clinic here in Toronto, Canada. Um, and very luckily get to work with women around the world virtually as well to help them support um, their own hormones and thyroid healing as well. Thank you for sharing. It just goes to show how important it is to understand your hormones, right? And how needed hormonal support is to have a whole clinic that's dedicated towards like, you know, supporting women and their hormones. I think a lot of women feel that from what I've seen, they're like, oh, but there's only like two or three hormones. You know, if I just get those in alignment, <laughs> my life will be perfect. But unfortunately, there's a lot more, right? Absolutely. Well, today we're focusing on Dutch testing. Um, so let's kick it off with a question of like, what is Dutch testing and how does that relate to hormones and like a female cycle? Yeah. So Dutch testing is actually an acronym and it stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. So this is really a very comprehensive test in terms of um, all of our different hormones and the metabolites that we have inside of our body. 
And metabolites is, it sounds like a fancy word, and it's more of how that hormone is broken down. Um, and that's really important in, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, so the dried, uh, the Dutch testing is a urine-based test that you can do at home in the comfort of your own home. It is uh, COVID proof, which is great. And it is run by a company in the US in Oregon. It's the only test they, they have basically have the worldwide patent. Um, and so that's where the lab is there that runs all of this incredible testing. Fantastic. I um, Knowing that it's a urine test, the first thing that always comes to mind, and it's probably for the listeners who are tuning into this being like, so is it like a pregnancy test? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It really is. Um, And I always say that to my clients, if you've ever taken a pregnancy test, don't worry, you're going to get a gold star in this one, you know, the drill. So it's actually four to five um, tests, and you do them at a very particular time in your cycle, depending on again, that length of your cycle. And um, you would test those uh, at four different times throughout the day, you dry them out, and then we mail those off to the lab, which will then use that um, urine analysis to really paint a super comprehensive picture of where your hormones are at and how your body's breaking down those hormones, which gives us as a practitioner um, a great roadmap for how do we move forward with your particular um, protocol and healing strategy. Mm, Okay, cool. So who is the type of person who would use a Dutch test? Because I could imagine that it could be used for multiple different reasons, right? Whereas a pregnancy test is pretty obvious you're testing yourself to find out if you're pregnant. But when it comes to the type of like menstruators who would do a Dutch test, like why would they do a Dutch test? And what are the types of um, examples or situations that a, a woman or a menstruator might be in that would lead them to do a Dutch test? This is such a great question because the Dutch test isn't for everybody and isn't necessarily something um, it is for everybody. Truly men and women, by the way, can do Dutch hormone testing. Um, But in terms of the women that I think this is ideal for, it is truly for anyone that's menstruating. But also I want to note that it's great in perimenopause and also menopause um, for a few reasons, which I'll explain. But if you have irregular cycles, heavy periods, or PMS that you haven't been able to remedy through, um, you know, the research and the types of um, protocols that you have access to. If you're suffering from infertility, 100%, this is the test for you. Um, Insomnia, weight gain, or resistant weight loss, um, this is really great for that. Um, stress changes. So maybe your hair's falling out, thinning, breaking off. Um, if you're waking up tired, if you're always tired, that kind of chronic fatigue situation, um, or feeling like you have what we call like adrenal burnout, um, which is very common with what we've been going through the last Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I feel like collectively we're going through a worldwide burnout. Um, Mm. but you know, um, some of the, it may be resonating and impacting people differently, depending on their baseline and their resiliency. So um, the other thing is if you're experiencing hot flashes and night sweats, moving into perimenopause, I have a lot of women who are on hormone replacement therapy. Not sure if this is something that you talk often about, but, you know, moving into perimenopause and menopause, some women do need to be supported with hormone replacement therapy, be it estrogen or progesterone, or even testosterone. And so the Dutch hormone test is a great tool for checking, is this the right dose? Is this working for me? And how is the hormones that I'm putting into my body being metabolized and broken down? Um, And there's some risk factors, obviously with hormone replacement therapy that we can assess through the Dutch test as well. Mm, So it really, it really goes to show that testing your hormones is really for anybody. Absolutely. And I have some men who their, their wives or the partners will do Dutch tests with me in one of my programs. And they'll just get super curious. Like I want to optimize my health, you know, the biohackers and stuff like that, who are just like, I'm okay, but I know I can be better. Or like, maybe there is something I can change. And so if you are curious about how do you optimize your hormones, or you just, we know when something's off, like we innately know. And so if you do have that curiosity, Um, I recommend doing a little more research on the Dutch test and looking into it. Mm, Okay. So good. So let's do a couple scenarios. If I was planning on conceiving and I had a partner and we were trying to to do that and we were having some infertility challenges after trying to conceive for say a year, roughly six, 12, 18 months, how would the Dutch test support me? 
Great question. I think if you get to six to eight months and you're over the age of, you know, 27 to 30, um, you want to get testing sooner than later. You don't want to wait till you hit that one year mark and be like, oh, now we have some problems. So um, that's what I always tell them because I see my clients who maybe are, you know, 32, 34, whatever it be, um, and will hit the one year mark and say, oh, I wish I would have tested sooner. I wish I would have got leaned in for, for with more curiosity sooner. So I wanted to put that out there. Um, but the Dutch test will assess all of your hormones. So in terms of what it looks like, it will, it will look at your three different types of estrogen metabolites, E1, E2, and E3. And then it will look at how your liver is taking those estrogens and detoxifying them through phase one and phase two detoxification and methylating those. And, you know, if it's doing a great job with that, or if it's promoting some sort of increased inflammation, um, increase in DNA damage, which could then long-term lead to estrogen cancers or even prostate cancers, um, hormone-related cancers. And so that's when the estrogens go down the 4-OH pathway to are, are moving down there and not, um, are basically moving down there in an imbalance ratio, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of our ratios, um, it assesses those and it will look at all of those metabolites and it looks at DHEA, DHEAS, which are really important for, in terms of fertility. Um, it looks at progesterone, which is, um, you can measure on blood work, but we can measure the alpha and beta pathways in terms of the metabolites for progesterone. Um, one thing I commonly see with, um, estrogen or, um, sorry, with fertility is PCOS. And so there's a certain pattern that shows up in terms of my clients with PCOS. And sometimes PCOS can take a long time to get diagnosed. And so, um, I do not diagnose as a nutritionist, but I can see these patterns in my clients who have been diagnosed and those who haven't, and do send my clients off to see their doctors or nurse practitioners to, you know, ask the right questions so that they can get quicker diagnosis when it comes to that. Um, And then we look at stress hormones, which is really unique to the Dutch hormone test. So it has a whole adrenal panel where it's looking at cortisol. It's looking at cortisone, which is the inactive metabolite. It's looking at how your body, how much your body makes over a 24 hour period, but also how much it metabolizes. So if you make a lot of cortisol and you don't clear it, you can feel very anxious and jittery, like you just had five cappuccinos Um, or vice versa. If you're not making enough cortisol, you might actually feel really low and slow energetically, kind of like you're dragging yourself throughout the day. And so there's certain patterns on the adrenal profile that might point to, um, you know, HPA axis dysregulation, which we commonly term adrenal fatigue. And so um, we can assess burnout and different things like that, that infertility clinic they will not have a chance to look at on serum-based tests. They'll be looking more at like LH, FSH um, and things like that. So good. It just goes to show that a lot of women who struggle with fertility or conceiving and when they make the plan, it's kind of like I I see a lot of women who, okay, I'm just going to come off the particular type of hormonal contraception and then we're just going to make babies. (laughs) And unfortunately for many women, it doesn't happen like that. And even through like my natural fertility training and, um, and education that I do, is there so many other facets that you can actually clue into with your cycle and understanding your hormones that there is never a, a, a chance to give up. And something that really kind of helped me open my eyes to that is during my natural fertility and natural contraceptive training, there was a bunch of doctors from IVF clinics and midwives that were there in the training with me live. And they're like, we don't actually even apply this in clinic, in the IVF clinic. And so they were learning so that they could begin to apply these methods, which I think is fantastic because even if you feel like that's your only resource, there's so much more you can do. And it sounds like Dutch testing is fantastic for that. Um, So let's talk about a woman. So I'm 34, but imagine if I was 44 and I was, you know, coming into these, this time of my, my cyclical life where my cycle's beginning to change and I'm, you know, entering the, the early stages of menopause, perimenopause, how would Dutch testing support a woman like that? Because I can imagine it could be quite different to fertility. Yeah, absolutely. Then we we begin to look at it through a totally different lens. So the really cool part about um, Dutch testing is it does have some indicators for how much you're approaching menopause, almost like a speed dial. And so as the dials start to drop down into the purple menopausal range, we can see that 
um, some changes in cycle. Now I'll typically work off my clients, for example, let's say um, you're perimenopausal, like you mentioned, but you only have maybe four or five cycles in 2020. We're kind of like wondering where are they, what's going on, and you know, maybe not sleeping that well, low estrogen levels, insomnia, things like that. We can check in on the relationship too between estrogen and progesterone, which we know even when you're menstruating is problematic. So if you have estrogen dominance, which means more estrogen than progesterone in your luteal phase, that can create a, a lot of those symptoms we see in uh, for PMS in the one week leading up to a period. And with perimenopause, it can be very similar, but those symptoms will actually stay throughout in their entire month, right? There, there's no longer a cycle that's measuring those. And so having an elevated level of estrogen in a relationship to progesterone almost dropping too quickly because now you're not ovulating, so you're not creating that progesterone hormone can create a lot of that stress. It can create resistant weight loss because now we have high levels of estrogen and no progesterone. And it will cause a lot of the mood and irritability. So mood swings, um, even depression, anxiety, things like that I see in clinic. Um, so it helps us establish the relationship between estrogen and progesterone. And we look at the two progesterone metabolites. And the interesting thing is if you favor the alpha pathway, alpha pregnenodiol, then you would be more of a candidate for progesterone creams in terms of progesterone therapy or hormone replacement therapy versus the beta metabolite. So actually we don't have to test and mess around and waste time on finding the right hormone therapy. It actually helps to inform us. Um, and then if we retest in six months from now, we can check in. How is that working? Have we been able to really foundationalize and sort of reestablish a solid balance in terms of perimenopause and quality of life for you? So good because I, I feel that a lot of women menstruators can be fearful of going through the menopause process because the, the stigma out there that it's horrible and you're going to become a witch and you're going to have all these mm -hmm. flushes that you can't handle and, you know, you're just going to, you know, not want to be around anyone for like 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think understanding your body, like for what I teach around cycle education is really important, but then specifically around that menopause phase of, of a woman's cycle where it can be a little bit daunting too. It's kind of yeah. like going through your first pregnancy or going through your first labor or having your first child, you know, it's a learning curve. Absolutely. And it's a new season of life. It comes with new challenges and it comes with these new fluctuations. So having something that can give you some data, I feel like is very empowering for women as well, where I know we're all deeply curious and that's why we're out here researching and learning all these things and taking courses and so on. And so um, giving you that really clear raw data is really important too, in terms of where your level's at, you know, what's going on and why, rather than it being this chaotic mess of what we're typically see as like menopause, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A hot mess, as hot they call it. mess, exactly. <laughs> and one thing about perimenopause and menopause, which I feel like should be really empowering for um, menstruating women is the more we look after our body now, the less things have to be a hot mess when we get there. And I want to kind of give the um, analogy of a three-legged table. So you have this little three-legged table. One, one leg is your adrenals. The other one is your ovaries. And the other one is your thyroid. And the tabletop is your pituitary. So it's your, in your brain. And it's sort of sending the signal down to all of these different glands, okay? Right now, if you're menstruating regularly, that table is really solid. It's got three legs. It's got a top. Things are really good. When we move into perimenopause, um, if our thyroid is underactive, right. Which happens or and just for those, sorry, just cut you off. Just for those who have no idea what perimenopause is, that's the starting process of menopause. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like the in-between it's like, you're not in the next phase yet. You're just kind of back and forth. And yep. so it can feel very foggy and confusing for people. Cause they're like, sometimes I get a period and then I don't get it for three months. And you know, it comes with other challenges as well. So that little table, if you have, you know, underactive thyroid or thyroid issues, even subclinical, or you have HP axis or adrenal fatigue, your two legs, or even one of your legs is already weak. And then we go and we take out that ovarian function and we take out the production of progesterone. Now we're operating on maybe a one-legged table or, you know, it's a very destabilizing. So perimenopause is kind of like expecting your glass of water to balance on a two-legged table without any support. I love that analogy. Yeah. Everyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows I love a good analogy and normally I give out good analogies, but that's awesome. I really like that. So oh, thanks God. for sharing. Cause it kind of puts it 
analogies help kind of put a picture to it so that it makes it more visual rather than just verbal. Absolutely. But it's right, you know, like I always say, there's nothing worse than going to like a cafe and your, t- your table's like wonky whilst you're eating food. Um, you mentioned earlier about estrogen um, dominance and how that can affect like the PMS symptoms that come just pre-menstrual. So just before you get your bleed. Um, but what are, I know there's different types of PMS. So I'd love for you to kind of just touch on that before I ask more questions about Dutch testing. But what are the different types of PMS that we can experience that are the most common? Can I pause this? You, you do an edit, right? So in terms of PMS, there's actually five different types. And most of us, when we're experiencing PMS, just call it PMS. But there's PMSA, which is related to anxiety. And so this is where um, you may be having higher levels of estrogen than progesterone. So that is related to the estrogen dominance. This is common in about 70% of PMSing women. Um, anxiety, irritability, emotional instability. Um, this is where we're crying at every little thing. And for some people, they feel a little bit more snippy or responsive, um, reactive to situations than they would be at other times in their cycle. So you're saying that crying at the drop of a hat is not actually normal? (laughs) No, I hate to say it. I know you're super sensitive, but no, um, it's it's, common. It is common. It's, and that's where I love just differentiating the two between common and normal. Mm -hmm. Um, so then we have PMSC and this is related to high insulin in the first half of your cycle and it's cravings. So it is normal to want to have anywhere from hundred to 200 extra calories during your luteal phase. Let me just say that we should not be restrictive dieting leading up to our cycle. We need carbohydrates to be able to move through our process of menstruation. But this particular type of PMS in, um, affects about 30% of people. And these include intense cravings for carbs, sweets, and um, sometimes um, related to um, if you don't get those things, feeling like more fatigued as well. Um, and just for those who are like, what is the luteal phase? That's the phase, the premenstrual post ovulation phase. Exactly. The second half. Yeah. Um, The next type is PMSD and this is related to depression. So this is where we have low estrogen and then possibly the connection between low serotonin. So about 30% of PMS sufferers deal with this type. And, you know, we can probably know, you probably know some of the symptoms, just feeling really low, crying, confusion, and just not yourself energetically. Um, PMSH is hyperhydration. And so this is um, impacting us in terms of a little bit more bloating or swelling, or let's call it water retention. Um, so for some of us, this is in our face, hands, ankles, and breasts as well. Um, feel adding to the breast tenderness that's created as a response to, um, estrogen and progesterone during your luteal phase. Um, and the last one, which I feel like is pretty common is PMSP. So it's related to high pro-inflammatory prostaglandulins. Um, So these prostaglandulins are created as a response to inflammation, and they also are created to reduce inflammation, but um, they can cause more pain, cramping, um, especially in the days leading up to menstruation. And for some of us, the first day or two of menstruation as well. Um, And some of the things I love for this are magnesium and ginger tea. Mm, Ginger tea is the best. I mean, the Indians and the Asians have been using these things for so long and they didn't get it wrong. No, they <laughs> so really, where, how did we go wrong with it? They really knew. Um, they totally did. Oh, that's great to know because look, the difference between common and normal is quite different. You know, the fact that women experience that, oh, I'm just going to go on a little rant here. The fact that people say that, oh, it's totally fine that you get period pain because everybody gets period pain. That's actually, I just keep reminding my clients that our bodies are not designed to be in pain. You know, your body is designed to be in balance and harmony and live in ease, not dis-easement. And anytime there's something that's painful or agitation or, you know, irritable in your body, that's a sign something's going on. And that includes your period. (laughs) It also includes ovulation. So along with listening to those signs, you know, that's when maybe it might be a good, a good time to like get support. And maybe that support could be learning more about your hormones by Dutch testing. Is that right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think Dutch testing is a great tool when you have been listening to the signs for a while. So you you hear these symptoms, you know, oh yeah, period pain, that's me. Oh yeah, PMS, insomnia, um, you know, mood swings, like that is me. And you're really not sure about why. And then also when you do Dutch test, you get a strategy for moving forward too. So not only the why in terms of what what is going on, but the how do I deal with this? I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my Reset Your Cycle Masterclass series. This is a three-part live class series to transform your menstrual cycle knowledge and increase cycle confidence. Throughout three live classes, you'll discover understanding your cycle hormones, what they are, how they change throughout the four phases of your monthly cycle, and how they contribute to how you feel. You'll also discover cycle disruptors and what you can do, those things that make you feel a little bit out of whack through your cycle off balance and impact your moods along with your hormones. And then we cover your cycle and natural contraception. Gain a better understanding of contraception, the good, the confusing, and how to choose a contraceptive method that serves you and your health goals. Head over to wellsome.com forward slash shop to learn more. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20% off. How accurate is Dutch testing though? Like, is it something that's like bulletproof? <laughs> it's like pregnancy tests. How accurate are really are they? Yeah. Um, mm. Great question. So they actually did publish a study at the end of 2020 from Dutch, which has been going on for a while, where they've compared the accuracy between dried urine testing and serum blood work. So right now, in terms of clinical studies, it's as accurate as serum blood work testing, which has been the conventional method of um, hormone testing so far. Um, mm. And so in terms of the accuracy, um, it is in some areas more accurate than blood work because we can't, um, for example, in terms of adrenal hormones, we can't effectively test serum levels of adrenal in terms of cortisol production, um, especially throughout the day. So um, that would be really helpful. That would be something you would not be able to learn about yourself through conventional blood work. And then also um, there's a lack of extensive metabolite testing. So if we were to test your estrogen levels, we would just be testing E2 um, in terms of blood work and ideally doing that on maybe a day five of your cycle. So we can test um, the baseline for estrogen in your body, but we um, are not able to test all of the metabolites. So the 2OH, 4OH and 16OH with, which would inform how your body's taking that estrogen and breaking it down inside of your liver and effectively clearing it out of your body on a daily basis, we can't really assess how that's happening. And that mm. is where I think we learn a lot about our body as women, because those metabolites, you know, yes, they tell us about the estrogen and how it's broken down and kind of where it goes, but they also point to increased risk of hormone related cancers, um, proliferation and growth of things like cysts and fibroids, and even um, indicators for early development of osteoporosis. Um, so low bone density related to E3 metabolite. And this is really important for Caucasian females, especially as we age. Mm. Wow. Some great information. It just goes to show that I know that, you know, for me, um, when I, I know when I was diagnosed with PCOS, it was basically blood work, ultrasounds. And like, that's that, like, that was all I needed, but there's a lot of women who feel that they go to conventional um, Western medicine for support and they gain blood tests and they get results for their estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, you know, their thyroid, their liver and all these bits and pieces. But then they're like, but I was told I was in range and I was told that, you know, everything's kind of normal. I always like to, you can feel really helpless in that situation because you're like, I know in my body, there's something not right, but the blood work and the doctor says everything's kind of fine. There's two ways I look at this and I'd love to hear your feedback on this, Ashley. Is the first one is that, you know, the range in which general doctors, I'm talking about general practitioners, look at is they're comparing maybe your age bracket to age brackets that could be over four or five decades, let alone mm -hmm. just your particular age bracket, if it's related to your menstrual cycle. So if you're being compared with your hormone production and levels being compared to someone, a woman who's 55 and you're 27, <laughs> you know, you're in like a, a very fertile phase of your menstrual, I was going to say career, but journey. And, um, you know, it's going to be quite different. So just be aware of that. 
And then the other thing is you, you know your body better than anyone. So if you know that there's something else going on, is that when it could be a really great idea to be like, cool, I've got the blood work done. Now might be a good time to also do Dutch testing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you raised that point about those ranges. And I think it's really important to know that those ranges included people who are well and unwell when they're getting this collective data. Um, Mm. And also in functional medicine, we talk in functional nutrition, we talk a lot about the functional ranges. So let's, let's just imagine you're in the range, the range is 30 to 100, and you're 32. Well, are you going to be thriving at 32 if the middle of the range is not anywhere close to where you're at? And so functional range or optimal ranges will be a smaller, more concise range inside of that, where you would actually be living, feeling good and optimal and energized or whatever um, the relationship to that marker is. And so I think it's fairly easy nowadays to Google, you know, functional blood work ranges for, for example, thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. And you'll find that there's a big variation between the normal range, which you might show up on your conventional blood work and the optimal range. So double checking there. And of course, maybe meeting with a holistic practitioner to explore that a little bit more. But I have a ton of women who, you know, either come to me because they're tired of living, you know, I'm the, I'm fine and not thriving and not feeling like they can show up and, you know, do the things they want to do and maybe be the mom they want to be or have the relationships they want with their body um, and who are ready to explore more. So Dutch testing definitely is a tool we use at that time. And also I have some women who come to me who are infertility clinics who are looking for, you know, second opinions. Um, Recently, I had a client, she's 35, she's at a fertility clinic. Um, They had been trying to conceive for a year, did the conventional thing, um, you know, got medical system, recommended them to a fertility clinic. And she came to see me after a few failed rounds. um, And we did some um, functional testing. We asked for full blood work screening and we found out she has Hashimoto's which she had never been screened for and PCOS, which nobody had mentioned. And so being able to take that data back to her doctor and then, you know, have open discussions about that, I think is really empowering as well. It's so empowering. And it also helps the the client, the patient feel like they're more connected with their body because they're listening rather than just getting one opinion or one overview of it. And it's, I'll never forget, like I go every six months to get my blood work done because I think it's important, especially after I found out, you know, I had, I was diagnosed in 2014 with PCOS and I no longer test for PCOS after lots of rebalancing, but I still like to go back regularly because I haven't yet had children and I would like to, you know, be at my peak optimal when that time comes. And so I think that's proactive. Mm-hmm. Plus in Australia, we have a really great healthcare system where that is possible. So why not take advantage of it? And I recently went, it was about six months ago. And my doctor was like, wow, your vitamin D levels are through the roof. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? She was like, yeah. Do you take any supplements? And I said, yeah. And I spent a lot of time in the sun even though you kind of have to be sweating to kind of absorb vitamin D from the sun. But anyway, and um, she's like, well, I would just stop taking the supplement. And I left thinking, okay, so she's told me that I'm off the scale for people who are sick and healthy, who are also probably 80 and maybe 18. And I was like, but I feel great in my body and I don't get sick. I don't get run down. And vitamin C is an essential fat soluble vitamin that's helped support your immune system and also support you from avoiding you getting sick. And I was like, but I feel good. So I didn't change anything that I did, but I can imagine after, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have the body literacy to check in with their body to be like, okay, does that advice serve me? Do I really intuitively feel like that's best for me? And if you've been, if you're listening to this and you've been to the doctor and you feel like you haven't got the support you need, there is support out there for you. You just need to reach out and ask for support in different places and maybe try things you haven't done before, which Absolutely. could be a Dutch test, you know, or a lot of people come to me um, with cycle awareness and they want to learn about the emotional and the spiritual and, you know, the physical elements, not just the nutritional and like the hormonal elements, because it all plays a huge role. Anyway, I just went on a massive rant with that. (laughs) No, I love it. It's so important. And it is really important to talk about like, yeah, you know, the Dutch test is really looking at the functional, right? The biochemical analysis of what's going on, but leaving off the table, the emotional, um, the spiritual elements of of your care and your protocol is definitely Mm. a mistake. It's definitely a mistake in terms of like holistic healing world. Okay. Well, I've got two final questions. 
Yes. And they're kind of semi-in-depth questions. The first one is how do you take a Dutch test? So how does that work? You know, uh, so recently, um, and you might not have seen this, but recently I went through a termination around nearly 11 weeks ago. And for me, I'd never taken a pregnancy test before. And I was like, fuck, how do I do this thing? (laughs) So a lot of women are probably listening to this thinking, well, I'd like to look into doing Dutch testing, but how does it work? Can you walk us through the process of how to do the testing? Yeah, absolutely. So the first step would be to meet with a practitioner to discuss, you know, Dutch testing and the reasons why it might be a great tool for you. Um, From there, the test is mailed to your house. Um, It's a perfect at-home test. So the next step is we would take a look at your cycle. And for most of you, you're probably cycle tracking already. So zooming in on the day that you're at, we, if you're on a 28-day cycle, we want to test on day 19 to 22. So this is right after five to seven days after you ovulate. So it's a nice, easy landmark from there. And what we're trying to capture here is the progesterone spike. We really want to see if you got that progesterone surge post ovulation. And if your estrogen levels are starting to come down, um, so you're getting starting to clear out some of those estrogen levels, which you accumulated earlier on in your cycle. So that's why we want to test them. Now I get the question all the time, like, well, what if I don't have a cycle? Maybe I um, am not menstruating. Maybe I have amenorrhea and I've totally lost my cycle or I'm in perimenopause and I don't really know when the next one's going to come. You can test at any time. Um, That's fine. If you're in perimenopause and you're having maybe 45 or 50 day cycles or really irregular, like I have some clients who have two cycles in a month. Uh, like in a 30 day period and we can use LH strips. So for those of you who are not familiar, it's luteinizing hormone strip. So this, um, little strips are super accessible. You can pretty much get them anywhere. I hate promoting Amazon, but it seems to be the easiest place to get them nowadays. And, um, these luteinizing strips will give you a double line indication when you get an LH surge, From there, you ovulate 24 hours later, and then from there, you test five to seven days later. So we can always find the right testing time. So don't feel like your cycle irregularities would be a roadblock for you in terms of um, doing this test. Mm. So when we get that perfect time in your cycle, so we're on day 19 now, you are going to wake up in the morning first thing. And you are going to do today. You're on day 19 today. Yes, I am. So yeah, I'm a candidate <laughs> for Dutch testing today. So, um, for tomorrow, Coincidentally. Morning, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I actually did my, I do mine every summer. Uh, I did mine back in July and I like to do mine annually, which is a nice kind of like, um, guiding light for me in terms of my own healing, but back to our, um, rise and shine urine test. So you're going to wake up first thing within 10 minutes. So right away, we're kind of getting that morning cortisol surge, Um, So you're going to do a urine test. Now it comes on a long strip of paper, which when you unfold it, it comes out to about seven inches long. Sounds weird, but it's the right length that you can pee without getting, you know, yourself wet. And then you'll leave (laughs) that on the counter and dry that out. It's only the end has a little bit of the urine absorbent paper, the bottom inch and a half. And you'll dry that out on the counter. You'll fill in the time on the little piece of paper. And then we're going to go about two hours. Exactly. So now we want to catch our mid morning surge. So we're going to two hours later, we're going to do another urine test. And in between, we're going to limit coffee just for two hours. I know you can do it. Um, And then we test again at dinner time. And then again at bedtime. And it's okay if that doesn't all happen in a 24 hour period. Like let's say dinner time was really chaotic with the kids or something. You can test the next day at dinner time. It's not a big deal as long as it's within that Um, day 19 to 22 window. So like the two to three day window. Um, Once all the tests are dried out, you package them up. It comes with a return shipping um, mailer for UPS. So you just drop that off at your local um, office that heads down to the lab. And then I get the results back in about 10 to 14 days. And then from there, um, I would sit down with my clients and I really look at this like a comprehensive roadmap. So um, if you want to move from A to B, you have to have a bit of a strategy, but you also have to have a good idea of the terrain. And so the Dutch test is sort of the terrain. And then from there, we develop a strategy in terms of how we move forward. Um, Mm. Yeah. And so I forgot to mention in terms of the testing, um, the importance of the testing. I just wanted to kind of stress this. It really is um, a matter of us collecting really accurate information. And I know in my own healing journey, 
I've worked with practitioners a lot based on symptoms and symptoms are great. Like you said, they're guiding lights. They, they tell us something's off. They're kind of like that knock at the door, like, Hey, pay attention. You know, um, there's some work to be done here, but when we do any form of functional testing, whether it's Dutch test, a stool test, you know, a hair mineral analysis test, it speeds up our healing time, which means we can devote a lot of that energy for a lot of people, resources, you know, money, supplements, things like that back into our healing. So we can, you know, we're not expending all that energy. Um, so speeding up the healing time, you have like clear strategic protocols. And for a lot of my clients, when they get these results back, I wish I could, I could like bring you in on a call they cry because for the mm. first time in maybe years, they feel seen, understood, and really validated in the symptoms that they've been having because they knew that their body was doing this. But again, it just wasn't showing up on blood work the way that they were feeling it in their day-to-day -day life. And so there's a lot of tears sometimes because it's the first time they've ever been validated in their, in their symptoms um, and they feel deeply understood. So um, I just wanted to share that with you. It just goes to show that when you finally do feel understood because you've been listening to your body and you can get the answers your body's been trying to communicate with you or you can interpret them, it's like a huge epiphany and an awakening moment. It's kind of like that pivotal change where people on their journeys are like, oh, my God, it all makes sense now. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I just I love this so much. I feel like, oh, my God, I want to become a Dutch test provider in Australia <laughs> for all these. That women would be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm really like my mind's thinking about this right now. Um, but Ashley, thank you so much for sharing all about Dutch testing. The other question that I had was that um, I think I already asked it, though, about it being accurate because my mind is just like blown away with all this Dutch, Dutch testing stuff. But, you know, you just helped us understand how to do the Dutch test. Um, we know already when to do it, as in like, is it for infertility? Is it for menopause, premenopause, postmenopause? Is it because you've got some other kind of cycle imbalance that hasn't yet been identified? But when it comes to, um, I guess, accessibly finding a Dutch test, like what's the best way to access a Dutch test? So you can access the Dutch test on the Dutch test um, website. They would have a list of providers who offer the Dutch test. Um, okay. now the important thing I should just drop this piece of information here is I do see a lot of clients who will come to me and say, I ordered it. And I felt like my practitioner didn't really understand how to read the data. They just said like your estrogen's high and your progesterone's low. And then they walked away feeling like now what? So it mm. is important. And I say this, like, you know, we've all been there kind of shopping practitioners, coaches, trainers, mentors, um, in terms of the online world is make sure that the person that you are signed up to use that data and um, help you give you a better understanding of how you're going to apply this data to your day-to-day -day life, um, what their protocols look like, make sure that their approach to healing really embodies some of your values. You know, are they leaving things off the table, like the emotional components to stress? Are they trauma-informed? Do they understand that how somebody gets adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysregulation? Do they understand like the intricacies of, um, you know, the female body and those types of things. So you really do want to make sure that you work with someone one that you like, and that you're, you know, you can access, but also aligns with what your outcomes are. And they will take the time to kind of listen to that and take that into consideration when developing a protocol, because there's nothing worse. We've all been there where you get this protocol of like all these things. And you're like, I don't even, I, how am I going to make this, how am I going to weave this into the fabric of my life? So, mm -hmm. um, that's a really important thing that, um, it's easy to get excited about, Oh, I found, I found someone to do it, but you want to make sure that you look all the way through in terms of how will you, that test benefit you going forward too. That is such an amazing highlighted point because I think that whenever we're looking to improve our health and we live in a world with lots of shiny objects, we're very yes. much like, we've got to do this thing and I've got to do that thing and I've got to have this and I've got to have that. And, you know, I, a question I often get is, oh, what do you eat for breakfast? And how do you do this? And what kind of supplement regime do you have? And, you know, I like to keep things as simple as possible and then, then simplistic things become consistent. Yes. But when there's like a thousand stuff that's got to go on, you're kind of like, it's too overwhelming. And recently I recorded a podcast episode um, about skincare and going clean with your skincare. And mm -hmm. most people are like, I'm just going to throw everything out of my bathroom and I'm just going to buy all the new stuff. 
then it becomes overwhelming because you don't know how to use the new stuff. But if you do one thing at a time and just slowly make changes, you've got, you're taking the approach of the hair, I mean, of the tortoise rather than the hair. Yeah. Yeah, And that's long life change. So Ashley, thank you so much for sharing. Tell our listeners, I have a final podcast question for you, but before we do that, tell our listeners, how can they find you? How can they learn more about you and Soulful Sprout and, um, and connect with you and what you have to offer? Yeah. So I spend most of my time hanging out over on Instagram at the soulful sprout. And my website is also um, the soulful sprout.com. So you can learn a lot more through blog posts and other resources and a little bit about the programs that I offer. If you're interested in doing Dutch test, how we could work together um, and any questions about Dutch testing will be answered over there as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. All those links will be in the notes um, along with links to some of the programs that you offer um, including the soulful reset now tell us one final question i ask all of our guests this and i love this question so much it's close to my heart but what are three guiding tips that you wish you knew when you started menstruating that you now know today so think back to your teen tween menarche year um, you know what would you wish you had have learned then or being taught by your mother or a teacher or a nurse or whoever? <laughs> I love this question. Um, it would be really cool to get like a redo on my menstrual journey for sure. Um, my first one would be shame around shame and embarrassment. So I don't know if you remember being a teenager, like hiding tampons and pads and discreetly like Stuffing them in your bra. <laughs> pencil cases, passing them to your friend who needed one, like letting go of some of the shame and the embarrassment around being a menstruator. Uh, for sure. I feel like that would um, bring down stress levels immensely. Um, the other one would be hmm, to track my cycle. So I never tracked it. I was always that kid that like, I didn't know it was coming. I didn't have a lot of um, pain or anything. So I would just, you know, you just stand up in art class and now you have, you know, period blood on your pants kind of situation and walk around for the rest of the day with a sweater around your waist. So uh, tracking my cycle, getting in tune with my flow and learning like the regularity of my cycle, um, the nuances of um, things around my cycle to help me kind of get a heads up um, would have been one thing I would have taught myself. And then the next thing would be like really living in my cycle. So tapping into like the yin and the yang energy and the seasons of my cycle, not trying to push my body in terms of, you know, productivity and exercise at times when all I wanted to do was rest. Um, I feel like if I was able to tap into all three of those, I would have really excelled in my, uh, you know, high school and early twenties. Beautiful. I think I would have excelled too. <laughs> <laughs> we you all would have. Just understanding, and I love asking that question um, because there, I know there's a lot of young menstruators who do listen to this podcast and it's great to just share with them simple things that we wish we had have known. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing yours, Ashley. I've loved having you on the show. Um, thanks for making the time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. For those listening, if you want to learn more about Dutch, Dutch testing, you know where to find Ashley. Go and get the links from the show notes. But again, Ash, thanks so much for sharing and, and being here. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember... Body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.